Hi, and welcome to the Unconventionalist Podcast, the show about what it's really like to do work you love. I'm your host, Mark DeRoost, and today's guest is none other than the one and only Samantha Clark, the happiness consultant that everybody should be employing. Now, we're going to be diving into topics such as can you always be happy at work, or is it sometimes time for you to leave? Or if you are trying to create a better space at work for your team, what can you do? And is it really necessary to have big Google budgets to basically install the happiness culture at work or can you do it with pretty much a bootstrap strategy we get into so much more but before i do that i've got to give a shout out to the fact that we're recording this episode in a really special place we're recording this podcast from the pod at white city place who've kindly invited the the team of the unconventionalists to come and record we've had the amazing producer claire on site so this has been a really unique insight into what the real world of podcasting would look like if you had a whole genuine team around you but it's been so much fun um but if if you enjoyed today's episode i always say this there's two things you can do one you can subscribe to the show because that makes my vanity metrics always uh, happier uh, and we're all going to be talking about happiness today but the second thing is share it with a friend or share it with someone who you think would really benefit from today's conversation but enough with that sam welcome to the show oh thank you for having me really excited to be here it's yeah quite nice today unfortunately i haven't brought the sun with me i'm sorry uh well i think we're in a pod so just for people who don't know what the pod is it's a tiny little cube so i feel like i'm in tetris or something <laughs> in the middle of white city next to all the big shots bbc and all that stuff so it's very cool uh, but sam it's been ages i've been trying to get this organized so i'm really really happy that you're here um we were talking about on the way into the pod uh, it, do i do i get a bonus if i mentioned the pod like 16 times um <laughs> but on the way coming into the pod we talked about when did we meet and it was about what four years ago I feel like it's yeah about that four years ago through a mutual friend Karina Karina Gordon-Barnes who's got an episode out so you can go and check them out previous episode of Karina Gordon-Barnes which is a really really good episode but yeah we we met for one of our community meetups or something like that I think so at Tibbet somewhere and maybe I was giving a talk yeah I feel like it's all coming back yeah um yeah, a long yes, time ago. Yes, because you used to, so that's it. So you used to do, we'll get into this in a second, but so was it Zakuri? Is that yeah, the name? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Zakuri and it was Unlimited. around like, so tell, what was, what was Zakuri uh, at so the time? So I feel like I've had many iterations in my life figuring out how to create my own happiness at work. And um, I, oh gosh, so I was in strategy and branding and I always really loved design and fashion and clothes. And I, I thought that that meant being, you know, creative I wanted to be creative so I thought I wanted to make stuff and I went down the process of making footwear and then we hit recession and uh, (laughs) the people who were going to back my shoe line were like oh actually it's not such a good idea so I kind of took the branding and the strategy kind of skills that I had and then was applying it to individuals who were either starting up their own businesses or who just been made redundant and were like how do I brand myself for success how do I really think about yeah yeah. it was like it was was like wear your brand on your sleeves exactly think about your style yeah. sleeve yeah oh, your style sleeve I remember so um and i just really i was invigorated by that but i felt like a lot of the time i was having those kinds of i was agony um work aunt almost yeah. um so i'd be there in the change rooms and they'd be talking about all of this stuff but they'd also be talking about the stuff that wasn't very icky at work you know yeah. my boss i can't get on with my boss or i'm trying to start this business and i don't really know how to think about staffing and all these other issues crept up and i was just like i'm gravitating more towards that than i am sure. sourcing shoes for sure. them um and that kind of set me off on a journey like, yeah um, and, th- and that's what i love about because one of the things that you um you know you so you teach at the guardian yeah uh, the school of life yeah uh, and you've got an amazing 
amazing portfolio of clients that you've been working with. And one of the things that I was looking at was this kind of portfolio career that, you know, yeah. and you can tell us a bit more about what the portfolio career means for mm. people who are just going, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> what the hell is that? Uh, yeah. But you started more like in strategy and consulting mm. and uh, around consuming trends. And yeah, that kind of consumer stuff, trends, retail trends. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I, I loved that because it enabled me to travel quite a bit. So I went to Japan, um, did a lot of work in Paris with brands like Sony and uh, McDonald's and really looking at how we consume things, um, our mindset around space and colors and different innovations and um, how companies could create more to get us to buy more. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think for me, again, that was spotting kind of trends, helping people to um, distill uh, information or, or their goals and create products that were right. Yeah. Um, so I've always been in that weird place of joining the dots for people sure. or being a catalyst and yeah, innovating yeah. around different things. Um, but I finally feel right now like I am in such a positive place where I'm helping people and I'm helping seeing that transformation. Mm. I think working with companies and buying clothes and things, it was very um, short. Mm. and it, Transactional. Yeah, almost, it felt very yeah. transactional. I was trade, like helping with things I didn't really believe in, also yeah. sugary cereals and stuff sure. like that. And now I'm like, I'm actually seeing the transformation. I'm seeing the happiness on people's faces. And it's not like, you know, everyone needs to be swinging from the rafters <laughs> at work and enjoying <laughs> happiness that way, but just helping people become a bit more resilient or think yeah. about being more confident or a manager looking at how they could work better with their teams. Like mm. that's the stuff that really gets me energized. Yeah, you know, what I love about your story, and I think it reflects a lot of other people's stories we've had on the show, which is around this idea that people have that a career is like a straight line and mm. like finding your purpose, finding your passion, whatever you want to call it. It's super simple, super easy. Either just follow the six steps to yeah. success and you'll get there. And that's bullshit, it's right? It's, bullshit. It's, it's, that's just not how it works. And and when you look at your sort of career, I remember us having conversations and, and you know how this show is, what this show is about, about honesty and raw truth. You know, you and I have had conversations. We were both kind of going, oh my God, what are we doing? You know, mm. all this stuff up and down. And what I love seeing you in the recent years and time is just how you flourished and how you mm. found your kind of, yeah, I want to call it your swimming lane. You know, yeah, like this thing that you yeah. found and you kind of uh, are absolutely being fulfilled in. And but tell us a bit more about that. So you got you got through this whole style shoes, and then you ended up into the space of happiness. Mm. How does one end up working in the As field happiness. of happiness? Wow. Um, so uh, taking all of those conversations with the clients that I had, I was like, right, let me go back and, and figure out some studying around this. So I did some online courses around psychology and leadership. Then I took a coaching course at CTI. Mm. Um, and then I started teaching at the School of Life and that opened up my ideas around philosophy and psychology and how that all interlinks and can help us change and um, I then um, I was lucky enough to start working with a remote working company and they had sold a previous company and they were trying this whole let's work remotely mm. and um, I got on board and I'd kind of started doing a little bit of marketing and things for them and I noticed that they were having a lot of these people issues <laughs> and I just said you know you guys what what do you have in mind for HR and they're like what you yeah. know it's just everyone's getting on with it you know yeah, they yeah. should be lucky they can work from home and I said no let's really think about how we're going to grow the people you know you've got these big plans for scaling this company and growing but no idea how to harness these people and you're not in an office so 
like it's even harder to think sure. about how we communicate and how you um, develop your company so that it lasts. So I basically laid out a proposal and I was mm. like, these are all the skills that I bring to the table <laughs> and this is where you guys want to go. Yeah. And I would really like us to think about some sort of happiness and change program. Yeah. Could I be the head of happiness for your company? Sure. And they were like, well, okay, let's give it a whirl. A so <laughs> of job titles. Basically, <laughs> so I just like, mm, okay, let's do this. And you know, I had free reign to really create um, an in-house coaching program. I looked at the um, kind of HR software, different people issues that they were having. Um, and also people were living like from the States, Taiwan, Copenhagen, Hungary. So really trying to draw out some of the intercultural, intercultural dynamic, yeah, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. And it just suddenly dawned on me that this was the stuff that I really liked. I liked the energy of the startup, I liked um, helping them to really figure out like what is the trajectory of somebody? What is happiness beyond just getting them mm. like, you know, mm. uh, I think in an office it's, you know, the fruit bowl or the kind of- <laughs> Buddha bags. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, how does it operate when you're remote? How do you connect people? How yeah. do you deal with those kind of harder issues around communication when you can't really see someone? And, yeah. Which is um, a huge problem because most most companies now, you know, they're looking at the future of work, the flexible work yeah. and all this stuff around being less and less sort of location focused. Yeah. And now more and more people are going to be looking at freelancing from home. And, mm -hmm. you know, obviously it makes a lot of sense, commuting, overhead, etc. Um, and before I get into that question, you touched upon something that was really important around this company had this strategy to scale and, you know, do great things but not necessarily consciously, but had somehow forgotten one mm. of the most important aspects of any organization, which are people. Yeah. And why do you think most organizations, and I say this more organizations because you know, I've done work with organizations as well, why most organizations and startups at times mm. almost forget it's, it's a the, 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 this people aspect. Why, why do you think that is? It's hard because I think, you know, when you, if you look at it from a startup perspective, um, they're just trying to hit the ground running. They're yeah. trying to like make things work. Developers are working late. All of all of these issues, and you know, just hiring another HR person or just another person in general feels like a lot. So there's like, what? Let's cobble together what we can and run. Yeah. And then you get um, the opposite, where I work with a lot of um, bigger established companies where they're they've papered over the cracks for so long mm. that traditional HR frameworks don't seem to be working. You've got millennials joining the workforce. They don't know how to communicate intergenerational yeah. skills um, because they've been so embedded in uh, the red tape of how the organization must sure. run, sure. Um, which is a tipping point that I guess, you know, a startup goes from like 50 to 100 and all of a sudden there's rules and processes yeah. in place and it becomes Protocols really rigid. And so, yeah. so I'm I'm dealing with both, you know, like, okay, we need to make our workforce happier, but they haven't really figured out the, you know, the fundamentals of why they're unhappy in the first place. You know, what is mm. the issue? And sometimes they're like, can you just come in and do a workshop around that? And I'm like, before this, what's the step before that? Like, why isn't this team working? Who's toxic in that team? Or um, is the issue around uh, communication with the manager? Mm. Or like, I really try and drill down before we just paper over the cracks and say, let's just create a well-being thing. Yeah. So I think people, it's quite, it can be quite political. Mm. I think there's a lot of um, issues around money. And then there's a lot of confusion around, and I think even more so now as we move into a very conscious and transparent way in which we're doing business. I sure. think people need to be the focus mm. um, and we need to um, kind of address the failings because 
an, a company isn't in isolation. When those people clock off at five, they go back to their families, mm. they go back to their communities. And if you're not helping to really enhance mm. that person, that energy they're taking back elsewhere. Sure. So I think we need to get back to that interconnected way yeah. of being. I think there's Simon Sinek on Inside Quest who mentioned this around, you know, the, the companies are picking up the slack yeah. of, of families sometimes, you know, in terms of um, social behaviors and, and um, you know, social interconnectivity that's also come at a cost of our well-being sometimes, mm. just kind of thinking that we're feeling lonely and, you know, because we've all got friends on social media and so forth, but sometimes it can feel quite, quite lonely. Um, there's something that you talked about, which I think is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there can be, what I've experienced working with companies, there's a disparity sometimes between what management and leadership mm -hmm. thinks that people need yep. and then what people genuinely need. Yeah, so yeah, how, yeah. Do you, how do you deal with that dynamic when you, you know, maybe a manager or a leader will say, hey, Sam, can you come and do a workshop? Yep. They're just not being grateful for the jobs they have. You know, I need them. They say they want to be happy. Just, you know, do yeah. that. And you know for a fact that that's not what's needed. How do you deal with that? So I always take them a step back and say, okay, so this is your solution to this. Have you actually asked the employees? Mm. Um, you know, what's worked in the past and what hasn't? Uh, how can you co-create more of a solution? And um, they're like, oh, well, you know, I know best. I'm the one with the budget. Yeah. And I always say, you know, I think it's really important that you don't just come in with a very top deer, a top down mm. approach because um, it, nothing's going to change. And sure. you'll come back to me a month later. And I said, whilst that might be good for my pocket, <laughs> I don't operate like that. Sure. I would rather us really get back to basics and mm. strip out. And maybe we do a happiness health check first. Maybe yeah. we figure out what the real issues are. And, you know, if we do um, kind of strip away and figure out what the problems are, let's co let's create something from that. Because I think, you know, managers, are, again, it's a plaster. OK, this is broken. I'm going to put out the fire with this great talk and everyone's going to be jazzed up for half an hour or an sure. hour. And then Pumps they go fist, back. Go back out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I really try to bring it back and think, you know, let's have a conversation. Let's co-create something. And often. I think I'm I'm lucky in that I get both. So sometimes I'll get employees who've gone back into their mm. organization and said, oh, I heard Sam speak at X event. We, you know, these are the issues that we have. And the man leader's like, oh, no, we don't have those issues. We're like, oh, actually, yes, we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And th it would be helpful for us to put this out in the open. Sure. So sometimes I have opportunities come both ways. So it's the employees pushing upwards about this is what we need. Yeah, and I think and I think you know it's really interesting because um, so my, my girlfriend Julie, my partner, she sort of is in a similar space, but she goes and works with big companies and she helps with teams basically um, sort of create better bonds so they can mm. work more efficiently. Yeah. Efficiently. I mean that's the kind of the, the broad line if you looked at it. But there tends to be a massive, again, I think there's a, there's a big ditch sometimes between what leadership thinks is needed and mm. what people need. And there's a, there's a story, a really quick story I want to share, um, which is the day before I was going to run a workshop, the manager took me aside and was like, oh, by the way, what are you going to be talking about tomorrow? I know I said, you know, the broad line stuff that a lot of people want to hear, which is things, you know, team dynamics and making sure everybody gets along and that, you know, synergy and purpose and all these big words that you throw out. And the manager kind of looked at me and said, oh, thank God, I thought you were going to talk about feelings because we just don't have time for that. <laughs> wow. And I thought, you know, and in that moment, I just thought, wow, actually, it takes real courage and real humility mm. for a leader to be able to go, I may have a blind spot. There may be something I'm not aware of. Mm. What would you want to tell to a leader or maybe someone who's running a company or a team who's listening to this and who may or may not be aware that his team or, 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 or her team needs a little bit of help or a little bit of work on happiness? What would you want to tell them? Um, I think, you know, it's difficult because a lot of leaders will push back with, I just don't have time. 
Mm. Um, I ran a workshop last week on on how to communicate better at work, and you know, a lady said, I, "I've I've noticed some fractions in my team, but it's easier for me to just ignore it for now, sure, um, because we need to get the job done and we're on a deadline." And I said to her that in the longer run, if you continue to ignore this. Um, not only are people going to feel like they can't come to talk to you anyway because you're very dismissive. Mm. Um, and also, I think that um, you're not doing your client any favors anyway because they're just going to push out work that they don't believe in just to get it done. Yeah. And I said, it, it takes two minutes just to step back and just say, what's what's everyone doing today? How is this working for people? Um, or, or if there's someone that you've noticed, you know, there was a girl in particular that she noticed is struggling. She'd had lots of pressure from people externally going, this girl's not pulling her weight and she was still ignoring it. I said, you know, take five minutes and just say, what can I help you with here? I think it's about leaning back and being a little bit more approachable. Um, knowing that as a leader, you can be conscious enough to say, I, I might not have all the right answers, mm. but I'm open to yeah. To talking with you and I can make the space yeah. and create the safety if you want to talk. Mm. I think a lot of the time um, that's not an option and it needs to be moving forwards because some of the younger generations will demand this from leaders and you know it's only going to get more and more um, necessary for us to talk about positive and negative emotions at work mm. and be okay with that because I think also discussing the negative stuff helps us to create better solutions, um, to be more problem solving, but I think just having the conversation and, and being aware of how it will change you and how it will change your team member. Mm. So being open to that. Love that. So I'm guessing that you must have found yourself at some point in a company, maybe in the past, without naming the company, right? No need, no need to make any anybody angry here. But you've probably found yourself in a company before mm. where you found yourself in a situation where maybe you weren't happy at work mm. and it wasn't exactly working out as great as you want. Can you remember how you felt and how scared maybe you were to actually address that and speak up or, or reach out to people? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, was, I remember I was in a situation with a company and, you know, on paper it looked like I had the dream job. Yeah. Um, but I had a boss who was very inflexible. Um, she was, it was very much on her agenda. Mm. Um, and we all were kind of... Uh, scuttling around kind of talking about issues within ourselves rather sure. than approaching her and I think that's one thing I want to encourage leaders I do um, a workshop on leadership perception and also thinking about just opening yourselves up mm. to having discussions so I think you asked earlier about how do you encourage leaders to you know to have that conversation about happiness at work I think she never made herself accessible yeah. and you know yeah. it was always that kind of uh, it's like you were on this road to torment, just approaching her, her door. <laughs> um, and yeah, there was never that thought that I would, I, you know, she was open to hearing anything that anyone had to say. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, again, there wasn't that accessibility. So, you know, her door would always be shut. Um, she would never come out and talk to us, barking orders via email. And then it would be a high and by yeah. as she kind of flit in from one client meeting to another. So, you know, essentially we were left to our own devices, which is great autonomy. But, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you could feel the tension. And I think, um, I, yeah, I just think there was there was never a time where she, you know, it opened felt up, like we were opened up that space for that conversation. Yeah, to or that we felt like we were a unit. It's just kind of like we were on this treadmill creating money for her, and hmm. um, 
that was it. There wasn't yeah. any care or duty, you know, birthdays were, we had to organize it amongst ourselves. Yeah. She never really, just little things like that make the difference that you actually care enough or you notice that it's someone's birthday. Even if it was, she'd yeah. just breeze in, what's this? Like it's cake, something <laughs> yeah. and she wouldn't say anything. So but like, oh. it's 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 funny. It's like I think I think that you know you touched upon another thing, which is like the little things. Yeah. And I think sometimes we think, oh, we need to have a massive oh, no. one eighty change of the whole company. We need to change the colors of the wall. You no. know, God forbid the color of the pod. You know, all that kind of stuff. And and so you you you've got to remember that actually you you can do little things. It's the tiny things. I think people think that. Happiness requires having a Google-sized budget to <laughs> make over your workspace and to give everyone yoga. Like all of that just impacts the kind of external benefits around happiness. It doesn't in tap into the intrinsic kind of thoughts around and the positive psychology around it. You know, we all love um, to experience more positive emotions. Yeah. And um, rather than it being long-term strategic scheduled mm. events of happiness, like the Christmas party or the summer party, yeah. what about those spontaneous small little gems? Like, you know, today everyone gets a card, write down the things that you love about the person that you sit next to, yeah. hang it up on the wall. Like little things like that yeah. go a long way. Um, let's just take five minutes before this meeting to congratulate John on his excellent pitch this morning. Yeah. Like all of those things amalgamate into something mm. bigger. You don't need to have um, supersized budgets to make things happier at work. I think it's fundamentally, I have four core areas. You know, we look at the head and the heart stuff. So that's everything around resilience, change, confidence. Um, I look at how we communicate and connect better with each other. So are you having better conversations? What will it take for you to have those difficult conversations that make that more of a priority? I look at the digital and mindful space, like how are we using technology? How is that um, affecting or helping or hindering yeah. um, people to do their jobs effectively? And conversely, like if we're using a lot of tech, are we making sure we turn on the videos so that we can connect with the people we don't see often? Mm. Um, make people feel like exactly they're cared for that they that they sort of there's there's um i love the whole the head heart and yeah you know, I think that and the last one is very yeah, much around work and style so what is that life work harmony i hate the word balance i, I think it's nonsense why do, you, why do you hate the word balance? because we can't achieve it i think balance is it's about having a continuous conversation with yourself the relationship with other, you have with other people your relationship with work and also relationship with your home life like what's what's happening in each of those areas and sometimes you might have to show up in more in one area and something else will have to mm. take a back seat mm. and i think we need to get used to we've been brought up in a really um i want it all now society and it's not like there are things that we'll have to give it's how you have those conversations i don't think we can have everything we want on the plate and not sacrifice something <laughs> there's a there's a there's a quote i wrote about um i forgot the name of the book now it's uh, millennials are the most purpose-driven uh, generation in decades and they want the quality of work-life balance from the get-go mm. um what's your take on millennials um so I'm probably at the tail end of the millennial spectrum. Um, I don't know, I think they get a bad rap. Um, I think they, they mean well. Um, I think it's difficult because I think in some organizations they're very slow moving to incorporate and understand millennials and really embrace them. And it's like, no, this is the way that we're supposed to do things. And I was giving a talk recently on um, detoxing technology and thinking mm -hmm. about how we use technology in the right way because you know a lot of people are burnt out and this guy said to me but but how do I 
tell my manager that I'm not on my phone, I'm making notes or, you know, for me, I'm not, I know how to manage it and I would love to educate other people on how I manage technology. And I don't think we're open to learning from them about mm. the ways that they work. Do you think it's about trust? Yeah, I think there's there's something about a lack of trust or a, um, we know best, we've done it for so long, don't, you know, there's a lot of pushback. Mm. And I think there's so much reverse mentoring that we can learn from them. Um, whilst also educating them on, you know, maybe you might have to work on your communication skills or maybe um, being a leader takes more than just being friendly and all of that kind of stuff. Like, where's the structure and that kind yeah. of thing? So I think it's it's a symbiotic kind of growing relationship. So I just, I love learning and I like being open to different ways in which people do things. Um, I think... I, I one thing that I do think that maybe they do need to realize that it's not instant. I think when we were growing up, and especially myself, the yeah. amount of unpaid internships that yeah, I did yeah, and I the amount that. of slogging that I did to get to where I was, but that just made me more hungry for yeah. it. And I think there is an education that I give to my cousins and to kind of people in that generation that if you want something, you've got to work a little bit hard for it. Yeah. And you will savor that moment when you when you get it. Yeah, I think I think I think I agree with that. I think there's a big um, issue. Two faults. I think I agree with it. First of all, yeah, I think millennials do get a bad rep. Mm. Uh, I think it's often because we don't understand, and, and yeah. I consider myself a millennial as well. Um, and I think the other thing is, including I think up to my up to point me, there's a massive impatience. There's a massive problem with impatience. It's like, look, you can you can get a date tonight mm. on the press of a fingertip. You can get food delivered of mm -hmm. your favorite restaurant within 30 minutes. Yeah. So everything's instant. Mm. You know, instant messaging, instant dating, instant fooding. You know, yeah. all that stuff. So when you're looking at someone in the in the eye and you go basically say, look, it's going to take you five to ten years to get where you're expecting to get. It's like what? what? Yeah. What do you mean five to ten years? I'm going to be a granddad by then. Oh, you know, I'm going to have a multi-million company or whatever. Don't even get me started about the startups and you know the Eldorado of that. But. Um, we're coming to the end of the event. I just want to make sure I've got a few questions. And first of all, mm -hmm. what does being happy mean to you? What does being happy mean to me? Um, so my values are very much around um, like freedom. So having the flexibility to work how I want, whenever I want. Um, Is this where you start telling us about how you're going to go to LA? And basically, all that about, you know, <laughs> the travel that I'm going to be doing and the seven weeks I spent in Brazil at one point. Um, oh, and I think um, the ability to help people make change. Like mm. I really love being that catalyst. Yeah. Um, so whenever I, I have work where I'm able to just be a springboard for somebody to, to make the changes that they want to. Um, and also feeling... Um, what else would I say happiness uh, being with friends and family that I really care about mm. um, that makes me happy and, and the, that I love the fact that my work facilitates me being able to spend time with people that I care about mm. and meet new people as well come on so, podcasts come on podcasts <laughs> with friends that I care about so um, yeah for me that's and also I, I think Maybe the fourth thing is being able, be having um, the ability and the opportunity to do the work that I love. It's mm. taken me many evolutions to get here, and I've per persevered. Yeah, and I've I really, seen some of that evolution in the last yeah. few years. It's it's really amazing what you've done. And I really just, uh, I hope that everyone else gets to find what it is that they love to do. Yeah, hundred percent. There's um, 
there's an aspect that you just kind of briefly touched upon, but let's let's talk about it. Just a because I can get jealous and Claire as well, and and B because I want to hear more about it. But so you try and spend your winter time yeah. away from the shores of Great Britain, yeah, and and seeking warmer warmer climates. Yeah. Um, oh, you know this. I have sickle cell, so for me, winters just aren't great for my health. Yeah. And this winter just gone has been particularly bad because I was here and mm. I was in hospital quite a few times, yeah. and I just thought to myself, I'm not doing this anymore. I yeah. need to figure out how to make this work and move forward. So I am kind of rejigging how I'm working. So I'm doing a lot more virtual workshops. Yeah. Um, I'm creating some online material, like Amazing. an online school. Yeah. So I'll be running that. And I really want uh, the ability to kind of work maybe October, November to March, just somewhere else to figure out what growth and happiness looks like in LA and in <laughs> Lisbon and in <laughs> Bali and wherever, and then come back to London, because London's my home. But yeah. you know, it's just too cold in the winter. It's just too damp. Yeah. Um, and I just want to be well while I'm doing the work. And it really impacts yeah. me when I'm not well and I can't work in yeah. the way that I want to. I, f I get really frustrated, so. Yeah, do you, think, do you think people who are asking themselves, how do you know if you can make the place where you are working at a happier place or when it's time for you to leave? So um, one of the programs that I'll be launching in September is called Love It, Leave It, Change It. Mm. And uh, there's three separate programs. So one is very much around learning to love your job. Mm. So thinking about is it the fact that I can't have great uh, conversations with some of the toxic co-workers I have or is it that I don't know how to like balance my own self-leadership yeah. or would I like to learn how to be more confident in different scenarios um, and what is it about this job that is helping or enabling me to grow into the person I want to become so that's a love it part yeah and then really looking at leave it is okay so we've established all of that and maybe there's still not enough love there to keep the fire burning so what might it be might it be moving to a smaller more agile company mm. or might it be thinking okay these are the skills that I have that I can take away with me and go and work somebody somewhere else or maybe renegotiate the terms of my work and go down to three or four days a week and change it is very much like okay maybe I want to start a portfolio career I'm going yeah. to figure out that so I think um, it's about understanding where you sit in that journey and what you might need to um, rejig and be open to seeing how that change affects you yeah um, and what risks you're willing to take as well, because it's all a bit of a gamble. You and I have you know, taken many <laughs> risks and many gambles, but we're happier for it. And yeah. I'm very grateful that I have. Otherwise, I would have kind of still been sitting going, oh, I'm not happy and not done anything about yeah. it. Yeah. No, it's been amazing. And look, you know, Sam, we're coming to the last few questions. And, um, you know, if there's one thing that I've always appreciated about you is that every time we connected, we just could go to like a real conversation real fast and we didn't have to like pretend we would like laugh about you know the ups and downs of the roller coaster entrepreneurial journey um and you know and you know in the jargon of startups pivots you know mm. how many pivots that we've had you know gone from different business names and and so forth but i find i feel like you really have found something that's really really cool and it fits totally who you are mm. what you're about what you're trying to do um and so i know you're teaching a course this friday is it this friday or thursday at the so school I'm, of life i'm doing authentic leadership that's it friday. authentic leadership so if people want to get in touch with you um they can go over on the school of life they can go on your website so it's yeah, samantha so and it's samantha and.co yeah so we don't need uk yeah don't need it um so it's just samantha and.co and there you'll find um if you go on my uh, calendar, mm -hmm. you'll see where I'm speaking. So I'm doing the School of Life. I've got um, a couple of events for Viacom and Guardian and Soho Farmhouse coming up. 
Um, and you'll also see my um, kind of new course that will be launching mm-hmm. on my online school, which will be the Growth and Happiness School um, cool. coming from September. And one will be about creating happiness at work. So if you're a leader, um, someone in HR or an employee, it's a program you can go through to really think about fundamentally cultivating more growth and happiness in your workplace or love it, leave it, change it, as I mentioned before, which is for individuals. Brilliant. Love it. Um, what's one thing most people don't know about you? Ooh, um, God, um, I, I hate my having my photo taken. That's definitely something you can see from my childhood photos where I'm screaming, my parents are like holding me still. So <laughs> You take great photos. Yeah, the photos it's taken a while. <laughs> it's taken a while to get there and I have to thank Sharon Cole for that because she persevered through some really dodgy takes. Yeah. So that's after many takes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of photos. Um, and I've got a, a really sweet tooth. Say <laughs> so half a tub of coconut ice cream yesterday, um, but that makes me happy. <laughs> if it makes you happy, then it works, exactly. right? Exactly. Uh, what does being unconventional mean to you? Um, being unconventional to me means just saying to hell with it and going for it. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's been umpteen times where. Um, a situation that or a route that I've gone down shouldn't have made sense but I'm like you know what I'm gonna go for it and I feel like we need to be a bit more unconventional because the world and life is very unstable we're you know politically a bit unstable at the moment um economically I think sometimes you've just got to throw caution to the wind and just embrace uh maybe controlled risk mm. in a certain way yeah so yeah just um saying yes a lot more if you could write a one sentence email that would instantly be sent to every single office around the world mm. and that they would open up this email in the morning and they would see this one sentence this one message that you want them to read what would that one message be um oh i don't know i think essentially what i want for people is to f- is to show up and be a little bit more authentic and honest about what they really want for them for mm. their lives mm. so you know just asking yourself like who do i want to become Mm-hmm. Who is that person and is what I'm doing today pushing me towards that, away from that? Yeah, love that. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure. Totally, thank you. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I did. I uh, felt so honored to get Sam on the show. We've been talking about this for a while. And uh, I really recommend you go and check out Sam's work on samanthaann.co. And no doubt her course is going to be an absolute killer uh, coming out in September. But well, the one thing that really stood out for me was actually how it's the little things that matter. And we don't need to throw away everything in order to reinvent ourselves to be happy. We can start with small things. And if you're not sure what they are, go back into the interview and listen to them. I'm sure you'll, you'll be able to weed them out. And also, if you're a leader, know that it's a really vulnerable and, and scary thing to do to say that actually maybe I need a little bit of help to open up a space for people to feel safe to talk about what's really happening and if you don't know what your blind spots are then there's no way you can go the full nine yards so as always thank you so much if you enjoyed today's interview make sure you share it with one friend that is the single best compliment you can do to the show is to share it with one person and as always tag me in wherever you listen to this on instagram on facebook on twitter you know where i'm at at mark the roost and until next time remember it's time to go out there and do work you love